What do you mean masks? Our engineering team wants to create whole new identities. You want us to become something other than the Cheetah Girls? Global Get Down is a worldwide marketing miracle. I'm seeing dolls, movie tie-ins with every kind of burger, taco, and anything you can eat with chopsticks. Jackal, we couldn't even sing in these things. Welcome to Authorized Crumbs, an emotionally manipulative series in which we entice you, the listener, with small morsels of content in the hopes that we will remain in front of your mind. Crumbs are structurally daring, if also not great, parables about greed and ego. (laughs) We are your hosts, a loose coalition of girl band enthusiasts. My name is Hannah Blackman. And I'm Andrew Overby. (laughs) Small little intimate episode with just the two of us. Just us. (laughs) The Cheetah Girls is a 2003 musical TV film directed by Oz Scott, which debuted on the Disney Channel. The film follows four high school girls who moonlight, and daylight, as pop group The Cheetah Girls. When they feel themselves at the precipice of overnight success, the group is rent into divisions with different views on fame, art, and creative ownership. The film is based on a series of over 20 books by Deborah Gregory, In the books, the Cheetah Girls comprise five members, though member Angie Walker was not included in the films. Angie is Aquanet's more taciturn twin, and when Disney could not find the ideal twins to play the Walkers, they instead excluded the twin with less narrative consequence. This was the first Disney Channel original movie that was a musical. Oh! Yeah, right? Wow! Wow! (laughs) So first off, I, I, I... Almost brought this up on a previous episode, but crumbs, the concept of crumbs, (laughs) has basically made us into Disney shills. Unfortunately, a little bit. Because there's a bonus episode that at the time of this releasing is not yet out, where we broke the mold and we were like, let's talk about a whole movie instead of doing a crumb. And it just also was a Disney movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I hate this But yeah, I think over time we're going to work through a lot of these Disney musicals. (laughs) The junior novel of The Cheetah Girls was written by Jasmine Jones, based on the screenplay by Allison Taylor and the books by Deborah Gregory. It was published in 2004 by Disney Enterprises, Inc. You may wonder, who is Jasmine Jones? Jasmine Jones is the prolific author of many junior novelizations, including Toy Story 3. She has written many tertiary tomes set in the Lizzie McGuire universe, She is very active on Goodreads, and she's uh, always logging and praising other authors, which I personally find endearing and very winning. Oh, that's charming. Hannah. Yeah. Just to provide a little bit of context here, uh, you really had like no relationship to these, right? No, I didn't have the Disney Channel growing up. That was not part of our cable package, so I did not encounter like any of these things. Can you clear up something for me yeah. right now, which is which thing is cable and which thing is not cable? I, I When people say cable, this yeah. is obviously a privileged opinion. 
or, or, or perspective rather. When people say cable, I don't know whether they mean the thing that only has a few channels or the thing that has a billion. I think it varies, but when I was growing up, cable had a lot of channels and non-cable had like six channels. Gotcha. So you, you straight up grew up like without Nickelodeon and stuff. We had Nickelodeon. Well, we did. Here's the deal. We did have cable, but we had like the bare minimum package of cable. So like we had Nickelodeon, we had Cartoon Network, but Disney was part of like the next level of cable. And my parents were like, no, you don't need that. That's more money than we want to spend. You're fine. So all my friends were like, did you see this Disney thing? And I'd be like, nope, I only have Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. Um, there was this insane era where Disney was like running the table, Disney Channel, I, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, there were three networks that all kids talked about. It sure. was Nickelodeon, the Disney Channel, and Cartoon Network. And it felt like Cartoon Network, at least in my bubble was perpetually the third place. Like, it, it always had the bronze. People were, like, talking about Hey Arnold, talking about Jimmy Neutron, talking about, you know, all the, you know, uh, uh, Even Stevens, stuff like that that's on the Disney Channel. I wish I had been able to get into Even Stevens. I think I would have really liked Even Stevens. Right, I mean, uh, without spoiling what's coming in season three, you're you're entering <laughs> your, your uh, LaBuffissance. We'll see, we'll see. I'm trying to, I suggested... I mean, in, in my life, occasionally I'll be like, hey, should I get really into this guy? And consistently my friends are like, Hannah, no. So I got a Hannah no in response to Shia LaBeouf from multiple friends. So can I just can I just say and, and I'm this is not accusatory towards you in any way, but Shia LaBeouf and the last person you went very <laughs> deep on are like are like deeply problematic. Yeah, well, the aware of that, but I had to work it out of my system. It's not totally gone. I wish that it was. It's not. What can I do? And, you know, sometimes you just have to follow your heart and do a thing yeah. that's not good for you. And so far, my heart has not said, like, if you don't watch a Shia LaBeouf movie today, you'll be miserable, which did happen to me with my sicko behavior. <laughs> and... <laughs> I just want to point out that, like, people are not going, oh, don't do that in regard to just random actors you're throwing out. There's, well, there's yeah, like it was a, like an unfortunate sicko behavior who if both. you go to my letterbox and look at that tag, it will become immediately obvious who that is. Then I was like, should I get really into Miles Teller? And I got <laughs> yelled at. So I didn't do that. And thankfully I haven't felt the unbearable urge. Yeah. And then I was like, should I get really into Shia? And everyone was like, no. I would love a healthy boy to watch a lot of movies of, you know, I would love that. <laughs> But it has to happen organically. You know, you can't force it. Going back to the cable thing, it really felt like Disney was running the table for a while where they had suddenly taken first in, like, the kids' channel wars by releasing original movies every, was it month? Maybe. And they're also, like, the trick is also, I think, that they're live action. Like, they were running the table on live action stuff for kids. When Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon had zero of those, as far as I'm aware except for like game shows like kids live action game shows right totally at the time it was just unheard of it was like we're gonna get us a raven simone movie 
in September, and then in October they're doing the Even Stevens movie. <laughs> yeah. And and they were they were pulling that trick too, where they felt like these massive events because half of the movies were payoffs to established properties. Um, but I'm glad to learn that we basically get to give you the childhood you never had. Yeah, it's gonna by be. <laughs> doing approximately nine Disney properties. Yeah, I can't wait to read Even Stevens the movie, the novelization. That'll be really fun oh, for it, me. I, I'm. It's one of those things I I don't even want to look it up because <laughs> I don't want to know it doesn't exist. Oh, I would be devastated. Now I'm looking forward to it. Now I'm genuinely like, I hope we do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand the uh, concept of Even Stevens. Like, they're siblings. Is there something bigger than that? The the concept of even Stevens, I was thinking about this a little bit with the Shia movie that shall not be named that's coming up in season three that we watched. Um, I think the appeal of even Stevens was it's like a sitcom where it's the parents are normal. It's like stupid parents. Isn't it funny that the parents who are authority figures are stupid, which is what every sitcom does. Mm -hmm. And then the kids are like the older sister who's very put together and is like the dream kid to have. And then they really lean into Shia LaBeouf is like kind of a freak and a problem. Oh, okay. And he starts hanging out with that kid who I have no idea who the actor is, who's even younger, who the character's name is Beans, who is like seriously a weirdo <laughs> and a problem. <laughs> like Shia times five. So they're just and like, what if raising kids was hard? Is the premise of you? Well, I think what it tapped into being a guy who has an older sister, I think my sister loved that show because it was like, oh, this is very sympathetic to my experience of having an annoying younger brother <laughs> who has no regard for procedure or like how anything should work. Mm -hmm. And then for us younger brothers, it was like representation. Sure, yes. Younger brother representation, so, extremely important. Well, not only younger brother representation, but like just chaos <laughs> representation. <laughs> So, um, so jumping in, Hannah. Yeah. What initial impressions of the the film, The Cheetah Girls? Had you seen it before? No, I had not. And just so, my process for these is I read the book first and then I watch the movie almost every single mm -hmm. time because um, I want to have like clean impressions. And for movies I've seen before, it's like too late. What can you do? But yeah, like, so I read the book, The Cheetah Girls, and was like, wow, this is not good. I'm not into this. <laughs> this is um, missing something. And also the plot is terrible. I don't like it. And then I watched the movie and I was like, oh, what it was missing was the fucking songs, obviously. Yes. Um, but also the plot is still terrible. I did not love this one. <laughs> the The first one is is, and for the listener, we're in a situation where... I, I want to say we watched the first movie like three weeks yeah. ago, uh, thinking we were going to record, and so now we're back to back recording Cheetah Girls one and two. So I'm I've got a million thoughts on Cheetah Girls two, and <laughs> Cheetah Girls one. I'm just yeah. like, what even happened? And when I do remember what happened, I'm like, that can't be right. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, okay, the concept of the Cheetah Girls I like. They are four charming young women who sing and dance and have dreams and aspirations. And that's lovely. Um, the stuff I do like in this book is most of the stuff with Dorinda. I think she's a great character and I'm invested in her journey. Yeah. Probably the most fleshed out character in both books. I think it's hard because Galleria and Chanel and Aquanet, 
are all <laughs> super rich girls. Like yes. they are, they are unrelatably rich, you know, like they are so they're like Upper East Side wealthy New York girls. And I cannot relate to them. And they are annoying. And then Dorinda's like, I have a job. I have a family that like doesn't know a lot about what I do. And I'm kind of embarrassed. And I'm like, Oh, I understand. Like, that's not my situation. But I can relate to her in a way that the other yes. girls are totally foreign <laughs> to me. Yeah, because they don't have any real strife in their lives. Mm -hmm. It means their entire story is just about artistic fulfillment, <laughs> which I, I don't know. It's 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 a lot to carry a movie on. Yeah, not to leap ahead, but I think two does a better job of giving each of the girls like a real plot line and story arc where this one is like weak, 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 especially Aqua who has nothing going on in the first one in this one. Like poor Aqua is just like, I'm here. So it, it, maybe we just quickly go through character by character yeah. because I need a refresher. <laughs> you got it. I also want to say that, like, having not seen the movie, I couldn't, ha and then reading the book, I couldn't point out, like, which one was which from just <laughs> the book descriptions. That didn't help me any. So Galleria, the Raven Simone character, her arc in this first one is basically, she is one of the rich ones, as you said. She's more or less the leader of the group, which is a fine thing to be. Yeah. It's fine to, like, categorically sort of be the person leading, but it's a story about how that sort of goes to her head mm -hmm. and she gets, if not power hungry, she gets sort of uh, controlling. Absolutely. And uh, I'm just trying to remember like specifics. Is she the one that has the like quasi romance with just the guy who kind of mocks them, but also they think is hot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who he surprised to me in the movie when he does his performance, he's a rapper I thought he was like a, <laughs> in a rock band. <laughs> it was and then, really different. It was a surprise. Yeah, it was a, it's a weird um, dynamic in which like they're trying to establish so much at once and they bring this guy in and he's like, oh, cheetah girls, you're so whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's like tearing him down. Yeah. And then very quickly after that, they're like, but we love him. We, he was a, super mean to he's us. He's a cute boy. That's that. It's undeniable. I mean, it's hard to sure. get past that. No, it just seemed weird because if it was people of the same gender, it would just have been outright bullying. Yeah. I mean, I do think, like, uh, <laughs> like in the book, he just kind of seems like he's maybe, like, jealous of their talent. He's having, he's a little bit like, who do you think you are? Are you freshman? You want to show up and win the right. talent show? In the movie, he's kind of clearly, like, playful. Like, they, they have, like, a contentious, playful thing. They're two groups. And then he likes Galleria, I guess, and they kiss. Right? Right. Yeah. The This movie puts such an unbelievable expectation on the concept of talent shows. <laughs> well, they do go to Manhattan Magnet, which I think is basically like whatever the performing arts high school in New York is, which is a real thing. Sure. And people come out of that school and become famous. So okay. I don't think that they're totally out of their league for thinking like if we win the talent show and people see us, we will get an agent, have a good career, like it's going to happen. I don't think they're totally crazy for that. It was really just the calling the shot beforehand. Like, if you make <laughs> a movie where somebody's at a talent show and they do really well and there happens to be a scout in the audience, that's a movie. I mean, <laughs> 
most most movies the premise is like a coincidence gets things started mm-hmm. um the fact that before the talent show gallery is talking to her mother and she's like as we all know talent shows are a pipeline directly to stardom at this school i, th- I mean they seem to be a couple of the pop stars who they talk about through the book are like people who went to their school and jackal <laughs> went to their school and he's a successful industry guy you know already agree it's like an absolutely insane thing to hang all your hopes on but these girls are smart you, enough that they're not hanging all their hopes on the talent show this is like one avenue of like 10 avenues you make a good point though which is that i'm criticizing how that's not like reality <laughs> but the movie presents a reality in which they are completely correct. Yeah. Talent shows run the world. This in, particular in, in the talent universe show of the Cheetah Girls. Runs yeah. the world, yes. And honestly, as it seems to be, every talent show they're ever going to be in is a huge opportunity for them to suddenly make it. Well, we'll we'll talk about this when we get to Cheetah Girls too, yeah. but I'm I'm unclear even of the scope of the place they're performing <laughs> in Cheetah Girls too. Is it the the preeminent music festival on planet earth or is it like a or is it like a cafe shops talent show save i it. don't save understand it. you gotta save that thought yeah. <laughs> getting out of myself okay yeah let's talk um, about these girls these cheetah girls okay so let's save dorinda we touched mm-hmm. on her a little bit already what who, who else even is a cheetah girl <laughs> um, well there's chanel whose mom is also a model and is dating that guy and Chanel's not it, in love with it. It's not the same guy from the second. Is film. it not? I thought it was. Oh, I think it, it is. Looks- I think it's Luke. I hope it's the same guy. Otherwise, I think a lot of the drama in two is a little unfair. I don't even know where he is mentioned in this book to like. <laughs> no, yeah. Let's just say it's Luke. His name is Luke. It's Luke. It's upsetting if it if the romantic interest switch between movies no, it's the because guy. there's so much onus in the second one on like this is the love of my life yeah. and blah 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 um same guy there's also like a uh, jumping ahead i can't help it two is a great movie and i can't wait to talk about we're it we're basically <laughs> gonna give you a two-part episode on cheetah girls one and two. <laughs> but there's a part in two where they're like we're going to barcelona and the girl's like i thought luke was french and lived in paris and she's like nope he's spanish and lives in barcelona <laughs> 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 so I think they, they acknowledge it at least. The the first movie, uh, an interesting choice that they make is that uh, Chanel's mother does seem to be kind of uh, ignoring her child, or or does seem to be uh, abandoning her a little bit emotionally. Yeah, I mean, her Chanel's mother seems a little immature, and they behave more like sisters than mother daughter, and that's not good for right. either of them. <laughs> There's a very insightful line in the novelization of two, <laughs> which the, the novelization of one, I will say, is like very workmanlike. It just sort of says what happens in the movie and it, and it does it pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then immediately on like page one of book two, I was like, this is like, uh, this is right. <laughs> yeah. Least. Um, but in the second book, there is a line where she's like, my, my mom and I are more like siblings, which is great when we're having a good time, but we also get catty like siblings. Yeah. Poor Chanel. I mean, I like Chanel. I mean, and most of Chanel's drama in Cheetah Girls 1 is that she's like, Galleria, you're being a bitch. You're my best friend, but this is a problem. 
Um, and then the other girls are like, she's your best friend. You have to say something to her, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think they're wrong. I think they're probably fair to say that and put that onus on her. Yeah, her arc in one is basically like she's pissed off at both her mother and her best friend. And in the mother plot, at least, she just spins out. She just uh, so completely spirals from her mother not being a good mother to her that it leads to them, like, reconciling. Yeah. Um, I mean, she goes on a shopping spree and, like, maxes out her mom's credit cards and then has to be like, I'm sorry that I was acting out because you weren't paying attention to me. Yeah, and I don't know what her financial literacy is, being like a high schooler, mm -hmm. but I I can kind of sympathize with the high schooler in that situation. Because if a parent, which this, you know, never happened to me, but if a parent was like, I can't spend time with you tonight, go wild, and gave me a credit card, I'd probably be like, okay, Yeah, I mean, I'll especially go wild. in this exact situation <laughs> where her mom, whose name is, what, something with a J? Juanita? Juanita, yeah, I think so. Something like that. Um, she says, like, I'm so sorry I haven't been spending time with you. We'll go shopping together. We'll have a lot of fun. Then she's like, just kidding. I'm not coming shopping with you. You go shopping alone. Obviously, a teenage girl would be like, well, 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 don't mind if I do. Like, I right. have an immense sympathy for Chanel. And I do think her mom is mad at her and they have a fight. But then her mom is like, I'm sorry, too. I've made a bad call. This is on both of us. Like, I feel like the relationships with the mothers are pretty good. In these. Yeah, well, they, they, they show them as, like, very loving, even though often the plot lines in these movies are the relationship between the mother and the child is not ideal. Right. It's never like a mother that's has disdain for their child or, or anything mm. like that. Yeah, I mean, both Juanita and Galleria's mom, Dorinda, no, that's... Dorinda is the, the is the, the cheetah girl. Dorothea. I think this kept tripping me up. Is that Dorothea and Dorinda have like slightly similar names? I'd be like, shit, I got it wrong. Um, I kept getting the mother daughter switch. Where even oh, even really? reading the second book, I was like, is Galleria the mom and Dorothea is the daughter? <laughs> no, it's the other way. You got it. We all, we're all getting there. Um, but yeah, even Dorothea when she's like Galleria, like you are you're aiming too high you're not thinking properly like she's still like i support your dreams i want you to do this but you have to do it smart and i appreciate that it's nice to have moms who are like we want you to do the thing we just don't want you to get fucked over by jackal johnson or whatever his name is as often happens i'm now talking myself into like adoring a movie that I get <laughs> one and a half stars on Letterboxd. Look, um, I think we can agree that like the the meat on the Cheetah Girls is fine, but like the the bone structure is not good on the Cheetah Girls. Like, well, the, the first the details movie, are strong. I think that the character concepts are really strong. The so the thing that what you were just saying made me think is they really commit to what's this character's deal and then they will show this is the good side of that and this mm -hmm. is the bad side of that. And so with Dorothea, they're like, okay, the good side of her being a very protective mother who has been in the entertainment industry and gets how the sausage is made is that she is cynical about the industry and she's looking out for them which we see at certain points in the series pay off because mm -hmm. people are trying to take advantage of the cheetah girls but also we see instances where she's way too overprotective and she's holding them back from things mm -hmm. they rightly 
deserve. So now and I'm can like, do like they are competent business young ladies. At, sometimes they aim a little too high or they're going a little too fast, but like they they're smart about it. I don't think these are like dumb girls who haven't considered the repercussions of success. Right. I, I I'm a little muddled on uh, Galleria's characterization in the first <laughs> book because she seems to be rushing at fame headlong. So mm-hmm. Jackal Johnson shows up to their, not even the talent show, just shows up to their the practice audition, for the talent show and uh, is like, you guys are amazing. I'm going to make you into pop stars. And that sort of activates Gallery into becoming a bit of a monster where she's mm-hmm. being super controlling and being like, we need to do this. Like, we're going to hit it huge. Uh, and then there's a switch in the movie where she decides that Jackal Johnson's vision for what they're doing, which is very corporate and very like homogenized, mm-hmm. is not in keeping with the Cheetah Girls, which right. I think is defensible. It's a defensible stance. But yeah, is she it has in artistic keeping, integrity. <laughs> is it in keeping with the version of her that was just running headlong at that fame? Well, I think, I mean, at some point, one of the girls is like, you just want it your way. And I think that's it. Is that of course she wants fame, but she's not willing to compromise on anything for better or worse. So she won't compromise her inti- her artistic integrity to become Global Get Down, which is the right call. Yes, but it I also mean, means that she's like is awesome. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's funny. It is kind of catchy. Like if I heard it on the radio, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. I do think I, the songs in Cheetah Girls One are not that good. The thing about the the um global get down song the for the listener i'm sure you probably watched the cheetah girls at some point in your life <laughs> the one that's just like we go all around the world whatever it is yeah <laughs> the thing about that that makes it especially bad is it, it doesn't have any structure so Ooh. you listen to like a fake song in a movie and it'll be the worst verse you've ever heard and the worst chorus you've ever heard but they at least know that songs have verses and choruses <laughs> the global get down song is just like yeah, we just say the same line 400 times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I think we're, we also hear the same clip of that song over and over again. So, like, yeah. you don't ever get to hear the whole song from start to finish. You're just, like, bombarded with this awful piece of a verse or piece of a chorus or God knows what. It sounds like I'm it trying to play, bad. like, a scratched It's a Small World Yes! Vinyl. It has it that energy. it just keeps repeating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that song's um, not good, but I'm also not convinced the Cheetah Girls songs in this movie are like, wow. You know, th- these ones did not impress me. I I agree. Um, first off, I just want to say your read on Galleria, I think, makes a ton of sense, and I've totally come around to that. She's all about her perspective and her perception of integrity, and so she's able to make that switch from I'm being attacked by my cheetahs to I'm being attacked by the industry. She's kind of a self-involved girl and she grows. She like her arc, which I mean, Galleria is my least favorite of the cheetah girls, but like she does grow. And then that growth and development sticks. So like by cheetah girls too, she like very much has a sense of like, okay, it's not going to happen my way and that's okay. And I'm just going to step back and whatever. And that's, I, I appreciate when character development sticks around movie to movie. <laughs> I really like that she has a completely different arc in the second movie. I think it's I think it's very effective. Um, Can't wait to talk about that second movie, man. <laughs> the the thing about the first movie, you're talking about how the songs aren't that good, and I agree. Uh, as I said at the beginning, it's one of or it is the first 
Disney Channel original musical for the ch- channel. I already said that. And I, I also just kind of feel that it's one of the first Disney Channel original movies. Now, if that's true, I don't know. But it at the beginning, when they were doing the, the uh, dance number outside, where they're just in sort of like a yard. Um, yeah. It, it sounds like when I record, when I was a kid and I would record videos outside like it sounds like ambient (laughs) outside noise is like in the movie it really it really feels like not a professionally produced film in certain moments yeah it does have i mean it looks the whole movie looks like it was filmed on videotape um which i'm sure it was for cost reasons and then two has like a major bump in budget for sure it looks much more like a movie yeah two it's this weird thing where you know I, I was so deprived of any production value in the first one that two kicks off and i'm like i love cheetah girls too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i was immediately like this is obviously a major improvement in every single way so i got a little distracted there because i had googled list of disney channel original movies and this is definitely not the first not even in any way the first disney channel original movie and I'm honestly shocked that it is the first musical. It's funny because Wikipedia has a break between Disney Channel premiere films, which are all movies I've never heard of from the <laughs> 80s and 90s, and then Disney Channel original movies, which are all things like Halloween Town, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, Smart House, um, you know, like all things that I have heard of and am vaguely aware of. Phantom of the Megaplex, a good movie that I that have was, uh, That was uh, Mickey Rooney, right? <laughs> I don't know. No, no. seriously. Is that seriously, a genuine question? Like, no, I don't yeah. know. No, I don't I thought remember. You said, oh, I thought you were excited about Phantom of the Megaplex. I, I am excited it. about Phantom of the Megaplex, but I don't remember like its deal. I just remember oh, yeah, thinking so, like, oh, it is Mickey Rooney. Yeah, he's Fun. old as hell in it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, but then like 2001 is all Disney Channel original movies I'm very familiar with. And this is 2003, so they're like in the swing of it. But maybe making it a musical was a challenge and figuring out how do we work songs into this. Because Cheetah Girls does have exclusively songs that are like part of the plot. You know, yes, like no I one's was singing a song that. for them, their own emotional growth. Huge difference between one and two. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think uh, two is better. I mean, as we've already made very clear, two I mean, is better two, in that regard. Two is way better in every regard. Two, two also uses songs in a way that makes me question reality. Right, it's a musical. It's a traditionally <laughs> structured, like, sometimes no. the songs, like, these are performing girls, so sometimes they are performing songs, but sometimes they're walking down the street having an emotional moment, and they're singing it, no, which is I what get musicals that. do. There, there's just <laughs> moments we'll get into in Cheetah Girls 2 where things happen in a song, oh, yeah. and I'm like, did that happen in the storyline, or mm-hmm. was it like a joke for the song? Oh, yeah, sure, totally. This is the suspension of disbelief that you have to engage with as a fan of musicals. But Cheetah Girls is not a musical. It's a movie that has music in it. Yes. You know, for better or worse, mostly worse. The plot structure, let's just talk about it, is absolutely wild. Mostly the way that the story wraps up. Suspend your disbelief, sure, and you're like, okay, talent shows are direct pipeline to fame. Everyone knows this. <laughs> it works exactly like they thought. They go to the talent show, they get famed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're auditioning for uh, 
for Jackal Johnson. He's like, no, do this really corporate thing. Uh, Galleria quits. Then she eventually finds out the others quit. And the way she finds out is that Galleria, how does the thing with the dog even happen? She's like taking the dog for the walk and she like is self-absorbed. So she loses track of the dog and the dog falls into a hole in the ground and can't get out. (laughs) And all of New York City grinds to a halt for a dog in a hole. A dog in a manhole. Um, and it's so it, infuriating. One of the rare manhole related instances where I and my magnet would not be a help. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> the entirety of New York is just like one cop is like, we're going to get that dog out and just stops traffic and everything. This dog, I mean, sure, it's been in the movie, but it's just not related <laughs> to the plot at all. It's so and, clear they couldn't figure out like a meaningful way to reconcile these girls. And they were like, what if they were all just like in the same place and they had to sing? And they what they came up with was dog in hole. Right. <laughs> it's so, so bad. So everyone sees on the news because this is what makes the news. Sure. Well, it, Every- literally, they closed down all of Midtown. Sure. Like no cars are moving in all of New of Manhattan. Like it is, it would never, ever, ever happen in the world. And so the the rest of the Cheetah Girls see it on the news. They come out, and the dog is rescued. And then they all reconcile, and they they sing and dance in the street in with the stop traffic and everything. And um, everyone's like, "Well, this is okay if there's like a performance happening." Yes. And of course, something that we can never question is that even though this one isn't a musical, even though every performance is a performance happening in the story, they still have like perfect sound. Yeah, they do. They do. It's um, look, it's not perfect. I and like Derek shows up and he's like, "I'm here to help play music," and I'm like, "That's one musician. That is not the whole backing track that you have going on, ladies." And uh, the my favorite development in the entire <laughs> movie is that Jackal Johnson sees the performance on TV. They have not quit, the other three Cheetah Girls. Like, they haven't been like, we quit, we're going to help the dog, whatever. He just sees the performance on TV, and he just knows that that means they have resigned (laughs) from his employment. And someone's like, wow, we really messed up, huh? And he's like, yeah. It's like, what do you think is happening? Uh, It's a huge (laughs) question. I mean, Jackal Johnson in the book comes across as I thought like harmless but wrong like obviously wrong about what the cheetah girl should be doing but he's just right. like a, a record company guy in right. the movie he's like the sleaziest disgusting guy <laughs> in the world and obviously you shouldn't trust him or work with him I had a we little must... issue with that yeah yeah he really he really plays it up um he also has must... like frosted tips and like tiny like light sunglasses and he's just like the worst kind of like late 90s early 2000s like guy (laughs) i wish i had more of a vocabulary to say why this was but there is a sinisterness to that era of villain even if it's a kids movie maybe especially if it's a kids movie i mean it's the same with the villains in good burger have the same kind of like corporate sinister like they're too like preppy and we don't like it (laughs) Like, I legitimately find Ben Stiller in what's that movie called? Heavyweights. Mm-hmm. I legitimately find that character more frightening than like anything I've seen in a modern horror movie. And I'm not saying that just to be hyperbolic. <laughs> I legitimately find something like gross and offensive about that type of like early 2000s villain 
that really gets under my skin. Yeah, I don't like it either. And it's not, I mean, these days, most villains are like, what if Elon Musk was evil, which he is. But like, what if a tech billionaire or like, what if a corporate guy was evil? Like, we're still doing it. But something about that, like 10 year period between like 98, not even 10 years, like 98 and 2005, these guys are just like, so gross. And like, I don't know, like, they're, they're tidy, and they wear suits or whatever. But they're like, Oh, I don't know. I've been rewatching How I Met Your Mother. This this is going to connect. Okay. <laughs> but like Neil Patrick Harris on How I Met Your Mother is this character. He just happens to be part of the friend group. And I'm like four seasons into my rewatch. And between season one and season four, they soften him so much and make him less horrifying and creepy. Because if he like maintained the... Right. It's something visual. It's something like to the aesthetic of these guys. Like, if you tried to keep carry that through out of, like, 2006 into 2008, it suddenly becomes, like, I can't look at that person. Yeah. It's so, I don't know, very I remember people would pass around clips from How I Met Your Mother that were just, like, <laughs> this is how he gaslit a woman at the bar this week. I mean, that the character's entire deal is I'm a scumbag who likes to mess around with women and is not good to them. It's very... It's weird to rewatch that show because a lot about it has not held up, but like the the core elements have held up. Like I think it's funny, and I think mm-hmm. the friendships are nice. And then like and you've, once you've in called a while, it the best series finale ever made. <laughs> Don't ever put that on me. I would never. <laughs> I really, really liked that show, and I then was so deeply hurt by the finale, <laughs> like so hurt. Um, but no, just like on that on that type of like, what if a guy was scummy but looked clean, um, had a weird moment, and it, they're all very unsettling. I think at least with the ones I've talked about, I, I don't know if this applies to the Neil Patrick Harris character, but it, with the ones I've talked about, I think it's some concept of like being very blatant about your feelings of ownership of other people. So mm. like the, the heavyweights guy, that's his whole thing. Is like I run this camp. I basically own you for this period of time. The Good Burger guys, it's the same deal. It's like you you are a burger joint that exists in the same reality as me. Like you will be ground under my boot. And yeah. I think to a degree, Jackal Johnson as well. Yeah, um, he's like I'm going to take your talent and reappropriate it and use it. I've bought yourself, and now I'm going to put it, plug it into something else. Totally, same deal. One hundred percent. You nailed it. Any thoughts on Aqua? Because we haven't really talked about her in any way. She doesn't have anything going on in the first one. I would love to talk about Aqua. I like that actress. I think she is charming. She has like a sort of different look about her. Like I like her face, you know, she's cute. (laughs) (laughs) But like her role in Cheetah Girls 1 is just like, I'm here and I'm not happy. Like it's not, she's not as richly drawn as the others and they're not super richly drawn either. Do you yeah, have something agreed. you'd like to say about Aqua? No, having watched it like three weeks ago, I can't remember a single thing that happens <laughs> about Aqua. Coming into this episode, the only thing I had was that nugget about her being two twins melded into one. I'm fascinated by that. I don't think this movie would benefit from a second twin. Like, no. But that is really interesting to know. But let's talk about Dorinda, who has the most going on and who is great. Yeah, she's amazing. So Big fan Dor- of her. Dorinda... The choreographer is living in a foster home, but desperately keeping up the 
appearance of also being a mega rich, you know, New Yorker. And uh, eventually it comes out and it, yeah. it, it goes exactly the way you would expect it. Which is, <laughs> but it is heartwarming, which is, is they find out that she, you know, lives in a foster home and they're like, hey, we love you for you. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, we were talking about, you were saying like, they give each of the girls like a thing and then really spin out like what that means for who they are and what their circumstances are. And like Dorinda's whole deal is she's like very insecure about her situation and it affects every scene she's in, everything she does. Uh, I appreciated it. Yeah, it's it's the only thing that maybe grounds the movie. Yeah. And that she feels like at any moment she could be abandoned by people because like her birth mother abandoned her. Like that she's like very, very sensitive to being like, I'm not going to rock the boat. I don't want anyone to be mad at me. I'm here for whatever the girls are doing as best as I can. Um, I like her a lot. She's really a sweet girl. She feels like the only one who maybe has perspective on how good it is to have good things. Yeah. Especially if you look at the second movie, which we will, a lot of the plots are like about people measuring having one good thing or investing in one good thing over investing in another good thing. Mm -hmm. And Dorinda seems like the only character that's just like, we are in the lap of luxury. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At any moment for Dorinda, all of these nice things could go away. And she's like, I'm going to hold on to them as long as I can. I'm going to do what I can to continue them. Uh, they're good for me. I don't have a lot of good things. Oh my gosh. Even when she's like, Galleria's mad at me for wearing the same clothes a lot. I can't help that. The other girls are like, well, here, like borrow clothes from us. We can help yeah. you. It's okay. It's poor girl. Also, yeah, Galleria, that... like, don't be a bitch about wearing exactly. the same clothes all the time. Good God. Exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> not, that's not super chill. That's not cool. And also like pick up on maybe context clues a little bit. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah. Hannah Blackman. Yes. In the abbreviated form of the authorized crumb, you are only allowed to say (laughs) whether you (laughs) recommend or do not recommend a book. You can also say it about the movie and Mm -hmm. adding a modifier of hard or soft. What, how would you recommend the movie, the cheetah girls? Soft. No, soft. No. How would you recommend the book, The Cheetah Girls? Hard no. Hard no. Not worth it. Although it does have real insert photos from the movie. It has stills from the movie as the pictures in the middle, which I appreciate. And the other two books do not have that. Yes, those will be those will be up on the Instagram. They're pretty yeah. good. They're, uh, yeah. They've got lines of dialogue and everything. They've got yeah. colored cheetah it. print. It's it's it's. <laughs> There was there was thought put into these, which is more than we can say about a lot of these novelizations. So true that. Um, Andrew, that the question. Oh yeah, hi. I was gonna. Okay. You. <laughs> Regarding the movie, hard, yes. soft, recommend, don't recommend. Uh, this is a hard. Do not recommend unless you're a, a child who's the perfect, <laughs> you know, the perfect target audience. Book, hard, soft, recommend, don't recommend. This is a hard don't recommend because it, it just doesn't <laughs> add much. The book doesn't add much at all. Mm-hmm. So, And it takes but, away things that are good, like songs. For the listener, this is the first of many uh, junior novelizations that you're going to hear about. 
where really the motivation was me going, how on earth is there a novelization of this thing? <laughs> <laughs> and it is sort of interesting to rewatch a movie from the early 2000s that was geared towards people who were my age at that time and be like, wow, our brains worked in such a way where you could give us like the movie version of like a sugary cereal and we mm -hmm. would think of it like a, like a balanced meal. Like that is academically yeah. interesting to me, but um, I didn't, I didn't get much from it, which makes sense. I'm a 30 year old man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe this isn't designed for you. Maybe this isn't the perfect one for me. Okay, so, of course, this is the end of another authorized crumb, and listener, I'm going to give you another crumb to follow. The next morning, buses started arriving at East High School, releasing dozens of students into a new day. Other students arrived on bikes or skateboards, or had walked to school, taking advantage of the beautiful day. All of them were greeted by a new banner across the front of the building that said, Congratulations, Wildcats, back-to-back -back champions. Hannah's making peace signs. Yeah.